0: when they they had just finished laying the foundations of the temple uh, in Jerusalem. Um, And we're going to read a little bit more further on uh, because there's there's a a bit more happening there. But let's just see where we're at and what's happening with these people as they've come back to Jerusalem. Last week, you might remember, we looked at uh, the end of 2 Chronicles uh, with the last, it seems, king of Israel, uh, hint. Uh, There is the ultimate king was still coming and we looked uh, and we realized that the ultimate king is Jesus. Um, And when they left to go into exile, it must have seemed to them like everything was coming to an end. They had no king. The temple was destroyed and they were literally taken out to a foreign land. They were being cut off from God because of their sins from the very God who had saved and rescued them and set them up as his own people and said, I have chosen you to be my representatives to the world. It was a big deal for Israel to go into exile, but it was discipline and not destruction. And I think that's a really important thing to note here. God wasn't out to destroy Israel. God was disciplining them for their sins. For their rejection of him, for their rebellion against him. And we saw last week that it came at the end of God sending messenger after messenger to call his people back. And everyone, well, the, the people of Jerusalem, mocked and scoffed and, and wanted nothing to do with what God said. And, and until there was no other way but for God to send them out into exile. Many of those who went into exile Never actually returned. They they chose to stay in their new land with with their new friends and maybe new family. Many were perhaps like like the rocky soil in Jesus's parable. They were quick to abandon God when it got too tough. Why would we go back to God who let us be taken into exile? Maybe many were like those in the thorny soil, their trust in God choked out by the worries or maybe temptations. Of this world and yet in the many waves of returnees uh, thousands tens of thousands of people returned they returned ready to rebuild the temple this was this was about returning to live as God's people once more to live in obedience to God's ways and it wasn't plain sailing by any means verse 3 tells us that these returned exiles were afraid, afraid of those living in the land surrounding them. And the Babylonians, when they, uh, when they moved people around, they literally moved people around. When they, when they took over a country, they would, they would you know, take you from point A to point B and take people from point B, C, D, E, F to point A. And so you get this mixed mash of peoples. That's kind of where the Samaritans come from when the, northern kingdom fell a few years before uh, the kingdom of judah uh, fell uh, and so the net result is you've got people living in the land who aren't part of god's people and the return of god's people to jerusalem was not something that they welcomed with arms open why and this was a disturbing change to the status quo this was a, a change to the balance of power they were happy with how things were they had things sorted they knew how to do things they were in charge as well many of them and so what did the returned exiles do in the midst of their fear they built an altar on which they could offer sacrifices to god and it seems that they did it relatively soon after they arrived back Uh, verse six tells us that the sacrifices Started on the seventh, on the first day of the seventh month of the year. So, you know, they got there and and pretty much immediately they started building this altar and, and they were settled in their towns and they were starting to sacrifice as quickly as they could. Why was building this altar such a priority for them? I think two main reasons. Firstly, because they wanted to start worshiping Yahweh properly, a key part of right worship in those days, was the sacrificial systems. It was was a way of showing gratitude to God, a way of of showing your reliance upon God, a way of saying, God, you are worth more than the very best that I have. Uh, It's a way of saying, God, I rely on you utterly in order to simply survive. It's a way of saying, God, I deserve to die. And yet, because of your grace, I'm still here. I'm still here, God. And I think the other reason why they wanted to build an altar was, was because they were afraid. They built it despite their fear, but maybe they built it because they were afraid. They they wanted to stop worshipping God and present offerings to him. They wanted to say, God, in the midst of this situation, we need you. I think that second one is less. I think the main one is they just wanted to go back to... to uh, 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 a normal relationship with God. And normal here means God, you have done everything and we need you. And what's interesting is that they started with the altar and not with the temple. They started, if we put it into modern terms, with church services and not the church building. The temple was important. It was a a focal point reminding them of their need for God. But but actually setting out to put God first in their lives, that was far more important to them. What mattered most to them was actually worshipping God, not where they worshipped him. And I think in this sense, Ezra challenges us to also put first things first in our lives. It's, it's so easy to make worshipping God, choosing to honour and celebrate God, it's, it's so easy to make that something that sits well, in the back seat of our lives, we get busy with our lives, with our troubles, with our trials, with our things that have to be done. With, with you know, yeah. If if I do that, then those people are going to be upset with me. It's so easy to say, well, God, just take the back seat for a little. bit. We might focus on the dangers around us, not turn to God. But we need to put God first to make Him a priority in our lives because. We need him. Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. Once and for all, we have been forgiven, but we can still make free will offerings. Romans 12, Paul says, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. We can lay down before our Father our wills, our hearts, our fears, our joys, our worries, our everything, and say, God, as, as poor as this is, it is all that I have. Please, Lord, all that I have, you are worth even more than that. And this is something that, that we don't always find easy to do. I don't find easy to do. We really don't. But, but this is something that as we read Ezra, we realize this is what is most important. Rather than worrying about uh, things, rather than living in fear, Rather than continuing the way that we have been, the most important thing for us is to come back and say, God, you are worth everything. Have everything. It's something we have to choose to do. And and I think we can encourage each other to do that. Notice that it wasn't just one person who built the altar. The priests got involved. Uh, The politicians got involved. Everyone built the altar together. You guys remember the story of Barnabas in the New Testament? Uh, He had some property. He sold it. He gave it to the church. He had a nickname. He was called the son of encouragement. His act of worship was an encouragement to the rest of the church that God takes care of us. In the same way, building of the altar, these guys getting involved was an encouragement to the others saying, you know what, God deserves to be number one. And, and, and I think we have to ask ourselves, well, you know, how can we encourage each other in that? It could be a phone call. could be something we say. It could be something we do. could be sharing what God has done in our lives. Um, and I'm not talking when I say testimonies about, about you know, the, the dramatic I wasn't a Christian, and then I became a Christian. Those are fantastic, but but simple testimonies of, I asked God, God did this. I think those are so important for the rest of us to hear because it encourages us to put God first, to realize that he is the most important person in the world. See, these returned exiles. They they rebuilt the altar. They said, we want to worship God first. And they started following the calendar of God's mercy. Uh, That starts, we're told, by them celebrating the the feast of the tabernacles together. Uh, Literally, they lived in tents. It was meant to remind them of the time when they were wandering in the desert, having been brought out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. One of the first things that these returned exiles did was to celebrate together and to remember together that God had saved them, that he had protected them, that he had guided them, that they were only there because of God's mercy towards them. And their exile that they had just come out of, their exile also was was like a, a slavery. They'd been brought from a foreign land back into the promised land. This was a new start for them. And the smoke of the sacrifices, day and and night, morning and evening, would have been a constant reminder to them that, that although they were a sinful people, deserving death, God had made a way for them to be his. We have to ask ourselves, what are the ways that remind us of all that God has done so that we can be his? think one of the big ones we do is we celebrate communion together we remind ourselves what jesus has done his body broken for us his blood poured out for us i I personally love the idea of doing that every week because I, i think we need reminding every week of who god is and what he has done for us starting anew the israelites began rebuilding the The temple's foundations, building the place where they as a community could serve God and focus on him, where they could fulfill all that God required of them. And as Christians, we can also be involved in building the temple of God, except the bricks that we build with, stones that we build with, are ourselves, are our own lives. Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the place where heaven and earth meet. And we are being built into that temple, our lives becoming spiritual stones in that temple. And again, that takes us back to Romans chapter 12, offering ourselves to God as living sacrifices. You know what? There was a cost to building the temple in Jerusalem. Food, drink, money had to be paid out. Why were they willing to? to spend all the time and energy and effort, Uh, some of their funds, no doubt, and some funds from the king as well. Why were they willing to spend that? Maybe because they realized how good God is. Maybe because honoring God was the most important thing that they could think to do with their lives. Wouldn't it be wonderful, God, if we could see how good you are? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could experience the wonder of our rescue? We don't deserve a second chance. We deserve to die in exile apart from God, and yet He has rescued us. He died for us, He has called us home. And when they finished laying the foundations of the temple, God's people celebrated. And the priests and the Levites. And they were singing about how good God's love is, how how his faithful love endures for Israel. All these wonderful things. They They were overwhelmed with joy. They gave a shout of joy, a shout of praise. God had not abandoned them. He had given them this fresh start. He had given them a new hope, a new life. Not because of their brilliance, not because of their goodness, not because, you know, in in exile they had risen to the top as the cream. No, it wasn't because of any of that. It was because of God's faithful love, because of God's commitment to them. Have a listen to what Paul says in in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Oh, too far. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. I lied. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Paul says, This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. God remains faithful because he cannot deny who he is. And that. That's why they celebrated, because they had been given this fresh start. Not because of themselves, but because of who God is. Isn't that that exactly the case for you and I? We've been given a fresh start, not because of us, but because of who God is. And when we mess up, God is still faithful. But have a listen. We, we, we missed the last bit of Ezra, chapter 3. The people, verse 11, gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundations of the Lord's temple had been laid. But listen to verse 12. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple, they wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and the weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. During that celebration, most people shouted for joy, grateful for who God was, what he was doing. But some of the older folks who had been there prior to the temple being destroyed, they wept. Maybe in part it was because seeing it rebuilt just brought back the reality of what had happened. Maybe they looked at it and they thought, this is a poor replacement. This is a fresh start, but it's... It's not what it was. You know what God said through through the prophet Haggai, and Zechariah spoke about this as well. Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 says that the glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Sometimes we can get discouraged by what seems to be small and insignificant. Maybe we think that the church in the global scale is small and insignificant compared to everything else. Maybe we look at our own church and think we are small and insignificant. We're just a small church in, in, in a, a big world and there are bigger churches and we're just so tiny. But the glory of the temple, the glory of, of the return to Jerusalem, the glory doesn't come. From the size, the glory doesn't come from us. The glory comes from who God is. See, this was a fresh start, and although at first it seemed like this was a pathetic fresh start, God was. And when God is at work, He is able to do more than we can begin to imagine. And so we have a choice today. We can focus on how things are not as they once were. And we can focus on how things are not as they should be. They're not good enough. They're not big enough. They're not strong enough. They're not right enough. They're not, you know, perfect enough. They're not holy enough. We, we can focus on that. Or we can say, you know what? What matters is that God has started this work. And we're going to celebrate him. And we're going to be with him. And that's what matters in the end, that we are with God and that he is with us, that he is our God and we can offer ourselves and our lives and our everything to him. And so the challenge for me and the challenge for us today is to choose to put God first, to worship and celebrate him today. And we can do that in a basketball court. We can do that on Zoom. We can do that in a stadium filled with 25,000 people. Each one of those is just as glorious because each one of those has a focus on God. So the challenge for us today is to put first things first, to make chasing after God the most important thing, to realize how good he is, to realize that he has saved us, to choose to come to him, to, to return to him, to focus on him, but also to say when when we look around us and go, I wish God would just hurry up and do things better or bigger or faster or more impressively to say, actually, no, that is me talking. The most important thing is that God is here and where God is, it is magnificent. He is the promise keeper. He is the one who makes the way for us to be with himself. We're going to sing a song uh, in just a tick but let me pray for us first father thank you so much that you are the one who loves us it is for us god so often we own that we don't you deserve to be you've done so much and lord we own that sometimes we look what you're doing and we think it is worth much where you are God help us to realize that to separate out of that to give you out God thank you that you are the God who always makes a way who always keeps your promise who always when you say you're going to do something Lord, you brought those Israelite remnants back. You brought those people back. They worshipped you. They realized you are. Lord, you have saved us. You died for us. You have made the way for us to come to you. Lord, may we make worshipping you a priority, the priority in our lives because of who you are. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine. May he give you peace and his truth. May we worship him. May we put him first. May we honour him. May we focus on what he has done, not on where things are, but on who is there with us. I we enjoy